Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages situations. Okay, here we go. Now put it in reverse. Got it. Now forward. Okay. Reverse. Now turn the wheel. Alright. Turn the wheel! No! Reverse! Left reverse! Right. Slow the out! Go kill it! Kill it! Kill the owner! There's a reason they say curse like a sailor. I said reverse! Many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Well, we're docked now. Welcome to the NBA Front Office Show. I'm your host, Keith Smith. We are part of the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, and we are happy that you joined us for this episode. I am joined by my co-host, Pete Toll. Pete, how are you this morning? Uh, doing great. It's early, but we're here, ready to rock. <laughs> it is early, and this is uh, this is the life of two dads who are trying to put together a thorough, uh, in-depth NBA podcast. we we got to throw it together when we can. Little peek behind the curtain. It is Sunday morning. August 12th, we are uh, back in front of the mics. We're going to knock out a couple of shows here at least today and get going. So if there's any transactions that happen anytime between Sunday morning, August 12th, and the time you hear this, we'll we'll get to them. We just aren't going to get to them on this episode. In this episode, we're going to focus on the Charlotte Hornets. They are a uh, team that's been up and down over the last few years but made some pretty big changes as we went through the offseason, starting right at the top with the head coach coach position they uh, fired Steve Clifford who had been there for I believe it was four seasons with the Hornets uh, might, might have been longer than that but he is out and now James Borrego is in Borrego was a uh, highly regarded Spurs assistant he had a stint as the Magic's interim head coach and is somebody that a lot of people like around the league so Pete let's start right there with the change at the top on the sideline what do you think about uh, getting rid of Clifford and bringing in Borrego well, I like the new change of voice and coming from obviously uh, being under Popovich with the Spurs system is going to be a more disciplined um, offense. Obviously, defense is going to be a, a priority for um, Borrego. And I, I think he showed well um, in Orlando, obviously being the Orlando Magic struggling up and down. I don't I don't think they were kind of in the. Um, win now mode, obviously when when he was the interim, but I think he flashed enough um, that was a little bit more seasoning as he got with San Antonio. It was going to give him a good opportunity to be a head coach, and I think he's going to bring out the best in Kemba Walker. You're going to see some of the young guys like Malik Monk and and um, Kaminsky and and some of the draft picks, obviously Miles Bridges, bring out all the potential they can. Um, from you know both sides of the ball yeah i agree with you i th- I, I don't want to draw too much from his magic stint that was a bad magic team that was at the end of a of a rough run 
uh, under Jacques Vaughn, he took over there. So that just, you know, not there's just not much you're going to get out of that right. uh, grouping. So so now as far as what they added on the court, so we'll go through the additions and then the guys who have left, and then we're going to break all these down in some level of detail, what you're used to here on the show, and then we'll close it out with about 10 questions or so about the Hornets and the upcoming season. So additions as far as players go, they brought it brought back Bismack Biombo via trade. That was a uh, interesting deal where they sent out Dwight Howard for Timofey Moskov and then uh, proceeded to flip Moskov for Biombo. So we'll talk about those those two separate deals a little bit later in the show. Miles Bridges, as you mentioned, added at the NBA draft. That was another trade uh, where they swapped the draft rates for Shea Gilgis Alexander and a couple of for Bridges and a couple of second round picks. Then they they also traded up in the draft to or traded back into the draft, I should say, for Devontae Graham. And then as a free agent, added Tony Parker. He's really the only free agent of note that the team added. Uh, veteran point guard, obviously very familiar with Borrego. And then J.P. McCora from Xavier is on a two-way contract. And they've got a bunch of camp guys, all kind of different style of players. Jalen Barford, Joe Cheely, Zach Smith, and Isaiah Wilkins. So those are the players that were brought in for the Charlotte Hornets this uh, summer so far. And then the guys who are out, Michael Carter-Williams, just the one year in Charlotte. He's out. Trevion Graham, who's a player I like quite a bit as far as a uh, uh, rugged defender type of player with a de- Developing three-point shot. We talked about him uh, as he has signed on with the Brooklyn Nets. Dwight Howard obviously traded, which we will talk about in a bit. Julian Stone was traded. And then Marcus Page, who is on a two-way, has left. And he is now playing overseas this year. So they they essentially swapped uh, Page out for McCora. So so let's get into him. We'll kind of take him chronologically to talk about what happened. So at the NBA draft, busy night for the Hornets. They uh, mentioned the first deal was they... They drafted and then traded Shea Gilgis-Alexander for Miles Bridges, a 2020 uh, Cleveland second rounder, and a 2021 Clippers second rounder. So, Pete, let's start there. Would you do? Do you like this move for the the Hornets that they you know went and got Gilgis-Alexander and then swapped him for Bridges in a couple of seconds? Yeah, I I liked it because I feel like if you're going to uh, keep going with Kemba Walker, and you've already got Malik Monk there um, waiting in the wings to kind of develop. There was no real need um, for Alexander as far as, um, you know, from a, a long-term standpoint, if you're that invested in, in Walker and Monk. With Bridges, mm-hmm. I think he's versatile enough, um, being able to play, you know, combo forward. Um, he shoots it well enough. He can defend well enough, you know, can guard – um, both positions, you know, pretty well. I, obviously, he's not played at the next level yet, but I, I think he'll translate well. Um, good enough athlete that he can get by on both sides of the ball. Um, but the only question mark I have for, for Bridges is just that, you know, coming off the dribble, you know, ball handling, anything that's kind of like a one-on-one isolation. I don't know how much the speed of the NBA is going to, um, hurt him right away yeah you know he's a guy who if this was two years ago a lot of people thought he was going to come out after his freshman year at michigan state and then he chose to go back and he may have been one of these guys who was hurt 
a little bit by going back because I think he had a better freshman year than he did sophomore year. Like, but I think it was a case of sophomore year they asked him to do a lot more. And I don't know how capable he was of doing some of those things that they asked him to do. But you know, you you know me, Pete. I love my Michigan State guys. Yep. they're uh, you know I'm always about uh, just about all of them and think you know I'm high on on everybody. Oddly enough, I'm not super duper high on Jaron Jackson, but I am coming around on him. But that's a whole nother episode down the line. But back to Bridges, I, I I'm with you. I think it's the question is going to be he's going to be a good rebounder and he's going to be a good defender. And I think he has the IQ that eventually the the passing will come along. It's going to be can he score at the NBA level? And and what what is he going to be? Is he going to be a three four type? Can he get versatile enough and shoot it good enough to play the two? Um, that's you know going to be something that we're going to have to watch with his development because if he can't, now all of a sudden he's just kind of a guy and and the hornets have a lot of those already they they need to find that next really big time player to go along with kemba walker that's where they're they're struggling yeah i i agree with that because i i just i don't projected long term just from what i see i don't know that he can get any minutes kind of at the shooting guard spot i just don't think that he's going to do well enough defending that position and I mean, I think from three he could shoot it decent enough, but I think he slots more to me as the small ball four slash three than he does at three four. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, and that, and that's prob- probably fair for especially for this year. I think the the Hornets they actually have pretty good wing depth. They've got you know Nick Batum and Michael Kidd-Gilchrist returning as the starters. They have Jeremy Lamb and you know who can play the two and the three they've also got you know some some guys up front who are different kind of guys but like frank kaminsky who can play you know he'll play a lot at the four as well as some minutes at the five they've got Dwayne bacon who they liked as a rookie last year monk can slide over to the two so i think i would say this year i'd be surprised if bridges plays plays all that big a role this year which i think might actually be pretty good because i think it's going to be a good chance for him to to have a development here one thing i really do like is i would project that the guys he's going against most often in practice are probably going to be kid gilchrist and batum and i think that's going to be really good for him because both of those guys are still really good defenders so you know day in day out bridges is going to have a chance to really kind of work against two two of the NBA's, you know, more solid wing defenders. Um, and that's gonna be, you know, really good for his development down the line. I wanted to go back to you you mentioned with Gilgis Alexander trading him out. I'm with you. If if Kemba Walker's your guy, well there's your point guard for now and probably forever, you hope. Right. And then uh, Malik Monk, he's shown some ability, you know, still not entirely sure what Malik Monk is. Is he a is he a two? Is he a smaller three? Is he a I think what he probably is, is one of those, you know, um, uh, one twos off the bench. That's really more of a scorer than he is a playmaker. But, you know, he showed a lot of flashes late late in the season because he really struggled out of the gate um to get things going and then tony parker you know it comes in as the, the holdover there is kind of this the the bridge guy get you through you know for this season and maybe next year so i really like you know the the idea of if if gilgis alexander isn't the guy you want i do wonder too if they were scared off a little bit of the uh 
the Michael Carter Williams. <laughs> they saw the right. bigger point guard who can't really shoot for right. a year. Right. <laughs> and if they were like, well, you know, we, this doesn't work um, with that. Now, I think Gilgis Alexander is going to be far better than uh, Michael Carter Williams has ever been, but but we'll see. And that's the that's the Clippers show. So, so you know, they, they move, they pick up a couple extra second rounders in that trade, which allowed them to trade a couple second rounders, future seconds. So they gave up their own 2019 second and then a 2023 second to get back in to draft Devontae Graham. So speaking of point guards, they get back into the draft to, to bring in Graham, who is, you know, good size, six foot two, you know, de- decent, uh, you know, build for a point guard, kind of a, you know, um, <clears throat> strong guard there at the front. And he, you know, comes in and he is presumably the backup and waiting if you will, because I think as a four-year guy out of Kansas, you're really looking for him to come in this year, probably play some minutes down in the G League, and then you'll really develop probably when they they sit Tony Parker and that maybe he slides in then. And if Monk isn't really a point guard, well, then maybe Graham becomes that point guard for you off the bench. Yeah, I don't look at Monk as a point guard. I think he's just a scorer through and through. Um, And I think the Hornets kind of realize that. Uh, you know, last year to just kind of let him loose and let him play his game. But with Graham, you're going to get that um, heady point guard that can, you know, make some plays, obviously score off the dribble, um, good shooter all around the floor. The only thing that I, I look for is can he shore up that shot? Cause it can be a little bit streaky at, at times. Doesn't have the greatest first step um, and kind of gets a little careless turning the ball over. Um, but when he's focused, he can be that heady point guard can learn a lot from Tony Parker. And I think that's where Tony Parker was brought in to, all right, he knows James Brego. He knows kind of what he's going to want to run. So if we're, you know, in games and we need to give Kimba Walker a rest, we know we can go to Parker, get a solid 12 to 14 minutes of, of rest throughout the game, whether it's, you know, playing, you might be able to even play Walker and, Parker together for you know two three minute stretch um, if need be if things don't work with with Monk but I think this year looking at Graham I don't know that he plays a ton but I think with looking at the injury history of uh, Tony Parker in the past I think that and rest uh, for Tony Parker I think he'll get some chances to to you know kind of perform on the court yeah you know a couple things with with Graham is. Played in 39 games, played 37.8 minutes per game, which in yeah. college is no joke, right? That's only two minutes of rest per game, so that's pretty impressive. Now, now those will folks will fire back with, well, they get a timeout every four minutes, and you know, but still, I mean, that's still impressive. 38 minutes a game. Did doesn't he doesn't finish all that well inside? That's one one worry I have about him. Uh, he can get there uh, with relative ease because he's you know pretty good at using his body but he's got to become a better finisher but you mentioned he's got a good shot a little streaky but what i really like is 7.2 assists per game in college which is that's a lot in the college game that's you know i don't know i don't have it in front of me what that you know translates to for nba but that's really really good and then as a senior scored 17.3 points per game so really and he's been a starter for the last three years at the point guard spot for kansas so and that's obviously a high level program that's playing really important games so i think i think graham's the kind of guy who you give him that year and i think you're right as as parker kind of floats in and out of the lineup graham was is the guy who steps in there i i 
I do wonder too because if his shot is for real at the NBA level, I like I have long loved the idea of getting someone in who can allow Kemba Walker to slide off the ball because I just I really want to see what they could do. I think you could use him almost the way the Warriors use Curry off the ball, and they don't. In my opinion, they don't do do enough of that um, in Charlotte. So and maybe Borrego. They're they're obviously going to have much more of a movement system. Um, and he's a Spurs disciple, so I think we'll see some of that that there. So, you know, Graham's probably, we're not going to see too, too much of him this year. <clears throat> but I think down the line, we will really see quite a bit of him. The next guy that they drafted does not sound like he's going to come over is Arnoldus Kolboka. Uh, he was a second-round pick. Doesn't sound like he's going to come over. So we will get to him if and when he does come over to the NBA. So the the next transaction on the list, J.P. Mercure signed to a two-way contract out of Xavier. He's a bit bigger guy, um, you know, another guard type. He's uh, kind of a swing between a, a one and a two, I guess is the best way to put it. Probably more of a two in the NBA than he is a uh, is a one. Um, but six foot five, you know, good good size on the wing there. He's um, you know was at Xavier for again another four year kid starter the last two seasons. Really improved his game quite a bit as a senior stepping up. Um, you know, really became one of their better, uh, more trusted scorers at Xavier. So this is, uh, I like this addition on a two-way. What do you think, Pete? Yeah, I like it because I <clears throat> I feel like he's unselfish. So he's that team guy that can kind of play in the Borrego system. And he has enough scoring ability um, that he can get points. You know, decent playmaker if he has to handle the ball some, um, can rebound. Obviously, he... Um, I would say looking at tape on him, above average defender. I think he. The only only thing I say on the defensive end is he gambles for a lot of steals, kind of in transition. But you know, Breger will cut that down. But on a two way contract, getting experience at the G League level, and then if you turn into a um, good piece that they want for the future, they can you know obviously use a roster spot later in the season. But I don't see them, obviously, unless major injuries hit, I don't see him playing a ton for the Hornets, you know, overall. Yeah, again, we, we talked about it before. He's, you know, somewhere 7th, 8th in line on the wing depth right. guys. But, you know, it's a, it's another good good practice guy to have there for training camp and then, then the push forward. And I think he's, you know, definitely worth the development minutes on a two-way in the G League. They um, The Hornets two-way or – not two way. Their G League team is isn't too far away. It's only in Greensboro, so mm-hmm. it's you know guys that can they spend a lot of time. Guys like Makura, uh, probably even Graham. They're probably going to play a lot of games with the G League team, but then they'll practice with the Hornets, and then they'll you know kind of be on that shuttle back and forth. Is is my expectation? That's where we'll see see them going. So all right, and then it was the big trade. So let's start with the first one: Dwight Howard and Timofey Moskov. I have on our little outline dual salary dump um, because that's really what <laughs> right. this was. Um, but it ended up being a Howard sent to the Brooklyn Nets for Moskov, some cash, and a twenty twenty one second rounder so the the hornets are loaded in second round picks even after trading two to go get graham they've got all these i think for the next three or four years they have an extra second round pick so um you know howard shipped out of town just the one year in charlotte and it wasn't you know it wasn't bad but it wasn't wasn't exactly 
good um, there. And then they get Mozgov back. And then, well, I'm going to mention the next one, then we'll talk about it all in one because it's really kind of one big transaction. Uh, then they sent Mozgov and Julian Stone in trade. Uh, Stone went to the Chicago Bulls and was subsequently waived. And then Mozgov onto the Orlando Magic, and they brought back old friend Bismack Biombo um, in there. So essentially what they did was they moved on from Howard's 23 or so million to bring in Biombo at 17 million. And I think for the Hornets, this was the idea of my guess on this one and from the best i can put it together was dwight howard wasn't working out the way they wanted i think they wanted to get cody zeller back into the starting five and they needed a backup who was content to be kind of that defense rebounding backup focus and that's what they've got in biombo so Pete, kind of putting it all together what do you think about this um you know it's two separate trades but you know kind of viewing it as one ultimately in the end it's howard for biombo Right. So Howard, obviously, we all know about the locker room issues, kind of, you know, nobody really likes him, so to speak. And on the court, he showed good production. But like you said, he's in the way of Cody Zeller getting a starting spot. And that's who you want in there. You paid him, you know, substantial money and he's coming off the bench. So there, I don't, I didn't really see that logic when they brought Dwight Howard in, in the first place. When they got Mozgov, I was like, oh, man, here's Mitch Kubchek, you know, kind of getting his guy that he overpaid in free agency back when he was the, <laughs> with the Lakers. Uh, you know, here's a reunion. And I was like, is he really going to play over Hernan Gomez? And then, um, you know, got flipped for Biombo. Now, Biombo gives him a whole different look because he's a guy that's not going to ask for the ball on offense, you know, sets some good screens, rebounds the ball, can defend the rim a little bit. And that's what you want, a guy that's going to you know, be a veteran defensive presence and really isn't going to ask much on offense because I think, obviously, if you look at the, the Hornets roster, they're filled with you know, fill-it-up offensive guys. So that's really what they needed with Biombo. So I actually like that um, you know, kind of swap out. Yeah, I like that Biombo gives them something completely different from their other bigs. You know, Zeller's more of an offensively focused guy. Frank Kaminsky's offensively focused. Hernan Gomez, we still don't exactly know what his game is, you know, at the NBA level. But, you know, guy who I, I think we're both in agreement is definitely worth having on the roster and continuing to, to develop. And, you know, it's kind of funny because if you look at it, if Dwight Howard would say, I'd be that defense and rebounding guy off the bench, he'd probably be amazing in that role. But he's he's not going to do that. So you got to get somebody in who wants to do that or, or is at least comfortable doing that. And I think that's what, what Biombo will give them. Zeller's health track record, not exactly great. And I think you have the ability with Biombo, you slide him in. He slides in there, and that's pretty um, nice. That you at least know your defense is going to have a you know good solid backbone behind it um, with that. And you know, and at the end of the day, you you got off some money, which was important to this team because they wanted to get below the luxury tax, which they they managed to do as of today. They're sitting about uh, three and a half million or so under the tax line, and they wouldn't have been there if they still had Howard because that would have been about you know five to six million more than what Biombo makes. So, so I think all around, I, th- I like the fit better with Biombo. I like the idea of having the um, 
or getting out of the tax. So, so I'm with you, Pete. I think this is a, is a, is a win. I'm not going to go crazy. I don't think it's the biggest win of the summer, but I think it's, it's, they're in a better place than they were otherwise. Exactly. This one. And then Tony Parker, we talked about him a little bit before he was signed. Uh, you know, kind of surprising to see him anywhere but in San Antonio. Mm -hmm. But I think we were building towards that. Over the last couple of years, he'd lost his starting role. He had been, you know, just kind of not really in the plans. And and I think if Parker can settle in for the next two, three seasons as a 10 to 15 minute a game guy off the bench, I think you could have one of the better backup point guards in the league. And that's obviously going to be his role here in Charlotte because he's not going to start over Kemba Walker. But what I think you could have happen is if you need to close the game with offense, I wouldn't be surprised if you see the two of them on the floor together. Yeah, and that's what I alluded to earlier. I, I like the you know couple minutes at the end of end of games for them to play together until you can you know figure out what you really have in Malik Monk if he closes the game or Jeremy Lamb closes the game. You know things like that. So it's versatile lineups plus being the stable presence at point guard. I think that says a lot. Um, you know, and playing under um, Borrego previous he can help guys ease into the transition of the offense obviously Kemba Walker is a you know a real star so I don't I don't know how much seasoning um, Walker will need but it get, gets him a better understanding quicker um, before you get to training camp you know throughout the summer you know kind of going over the playbook what Borrego likes to run so that'll help Walker there but then obviously mentoring the young guys in Graham and Monk is the most important um, reason I think Parker is there. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one. Now, how much he's willing to accept that mentor role? That'll be be interesting because there was always a little bit of mixed reports there. But I do wonder. It's always harder for a guy. So so take Tony Parker for example. Long time Spur. You know what? 15, 16 years in San Antonio. Whatever it's been, it's always hard to to take the lesser role in the place where you've been the guy forever. And I think he moving out, it's going to be easier for him to take that that lesser role, move into that mentorship uh, style. So I'm 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 curious to see how it all plays out with him here in Charlotte. You know, and at the end of the day, it's a you know backup point guard for five million dollars. If it doesn't work out, then they'll just give those minutes to Monk, or they'll you know accelerate the development curve for Graham or or they'll just go get somebody else if they really need to behind Walker it's not like there's a ton of minutes available anyway so it's not there's there's really not a lot of downside with this move there's not considerable upside either but you know no real downside so so that's that's it for the major transactions and then they filled it out with kind of a a group of four interesting guys on summer contracts and yeah i bet you're not going to tune into another show where you're going to get a lot of discussion on these guys but you're going to get it here uh, on the nba front office show because this is what we do so so looking at the first player that they signed we're just going to go in alphabetical order pete because i don't have any other better way to do this right uh jalen barford he is uh you know Graduated from the University of Arkansas. He was a two-year player there after two years in junior college. He's the guy who he's got okay size. He kind of has the same size as, as Malik Monk, maybe a little thicker of a frame um, up top, a little stronger. But he is a scorer. 
This is what this kid does. 17, almost 18 points per game, 17.9 points per game. Last year, in his second year at Arkansas, 43% from three, 47% overall. Uh, Doesn't pass it a lot, only Mm 2.5 assists, you know, under four rebounds. He's, you know, okay defender, but not, you know, nothing you're really going to write home about there. So, you know, but this is a guy who, for a team that could, you know, if, if, you know, if there's any questions about Monk, you're looking maybe for, you know, a development piece that could provide what he was supposed to provide. Barford could be that guy off your bench. Yeah, that's exactly my sentiments and, and what I have in my notes. I was like, Malik Monk, you know, 2.0, and that's what yeah. I, I put in my notes because I was like, wow, this is like a clone exactly like Malik Monk. You know, shoots it well from three, um, can fill it up in a hurry. So it was kind of interesting where it was like, okay, do they – you know, is it because Monk's been injured or do they just not trust their development? Is it just a backup emergency plan? You know, what what's going on here? Yeah, you know, and that's I, I think this is just a hey, let's bring him in. I wonder if there's some to thought around, you know, Monk got got nicked again at summer league and I wonder if it's hey, we can still, you know, run all the same stuff we wanted to run with this kid, uh, Barford in there and place a monk. If we need to kind of take it a little slow with him in training camp or whatever it is, it's not a you know, we're we're not gonna um you know, have to change things up entirely because there's no one else who can do it. So, you know, and then I think, you know, it's it's highly unlikely that he's going to make the team out of training camp. You know, these four guys, if at best, are fighting for one spot. Um, and both two-way spots are already filled because we, we mentioned J.P. McCora, and then they've also got um, uh, Mango Mathiang. Um, back for a second year on a two-way so those spots are filled so it's going to be a little hard for guys to fight their way onto this roster and the Hornets have traditionally been a club now we'll see if it's different under Mitch Kupchak but they've usually been a team that has carried only 14 regular season players and then kind of kept that 15th spot open uh, as far as standard NBA deals go to you know, cycle through and look at different guys. So maybe one of these guys really impresses and fights their way on. So so we'll see if it's Barford. If not, maybe it's his fellow uh, summer invitee backcourt mate, Joe Cheely. He is out of the uh, uh, college, of, college of Charleston, Charleston, whatever they want to call themselves uh, these days. This is a guy, he's a point guard though. He's but really good size for the position, six foot four, uh, you know, big kid doesn't shoot it great so he's you know under 40 percent overall last year as a senior uh under 35 percent from from three uh not super huge volume either place uh about 3.6 assists per game pretty good rebounder 4.7 per game there um you know gets after it a little bit on the defensive end which is you know always good to see it's it's the Always a little hard to tell with these mid-major guys exactly what you're you're gonna project them and expect from them at the NBA level. But Chile, boy, what kind of as I was reviewing a little bit of tape on him and then looking at his stat line, it, it worries me a little bit. He took a step back from his junior year, right? And that's the that's the thing. It's like he doesn't do anything that stands out enough at the point guard position because other than having the six foot four frame rebounding you know, well, because he has that six, four frame across the board. Nothing really stood out to me. Like, okay, this guy's an NBA player. He's more of the, um, prototypical let's go overseas. Let's dominate and, you know, show out well in training camp to get that deal overseas and have a long-term career. But I don't, I don't really see 
um, Sheely being, you know, much outside of a camp body. I don't even see the G League. Um, I see more of a overseas, you know, Europe, you know, maybe a mid-tier league um, over there. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he goes to the to the G League this year, but I think, you know, yeah, he's probably more of a guy who needs to go overseas, really develop against the, you know, get in a good overseas league and develop in, in against really good competition over there. Uh, one thing we, we did mention off the top, which is, you know, just good to know with these guys is what ends up happening with these camp guys a lot of times these teams sign them because of what they want to do is they want to get their what's called affiliated player rights, which at the end of training camp, you can have up to four players you can tag as an affiliate player and then send them to your G League team. So they're no longer under contract with you. They can sign with any other NBA team if they want. They're a free agent as far as the NBA goes, but you still, you know, in effect own their G League rights and can, can get them there. And it's a way between... The two-way contracts and then these four players, that fills out, you know, a little over half of your G League roster because you can have up to, you know, um, six guys that you can get sent to the G League plus whatever returning players you have from the previous seasons in the G League and that. So that's sometimes why you'll see these teams, not sometimes, why you almost always see every team, you know, fill out all the way up to the max of 20 so that they, you know, can get these affiliated player rights. Teams will, too, they'll play games where it's right towards the end of training camp. They make their cut. Then another team will claim a guy. And then they'll cut him a day later because they want his affiliated player rights. It gets a little confusing to follow, but, you know, that that's what you're looking forward to seeing with these guys. So next guy on the camp body list, Zach Smith. He's a forward out of Texas Tech. Uh, Smith was somebody who had some, some draft buzz a couple years ago. Then he really had kind of a down senior season at Texas Tech. Pete, what happened to him as a senior? Uh, well, he had a foot injury, so I believe it was only 23 games he played total. And he's a guy that can rebound, you know, play defense, but he's not a guy that's going to score a ton for you, and you don't really need that. I think, you know, looking at the camp bodies for Charlotte, you already have guys that can kind of get out to the perimeter. So having that extra guy that can play defense and, and rebound the ball kind of gives you a test in camp just to give you an extra body, you know, kind of grueling and, and grind. Um you know, throughout camp. Yeah, you know, I think with Smith, if you look at it, he was, you know, on a pretty good upward projection. He had started his three first three years at Texas Tech, you know, came right in as a freshman, started, and then, you know, the last two years as well. And then last year as a as a senior, you know, in and out of the starting lineup, 15 games started out of the 23 played. And as you mentioned, dealt with a foot injury. But what's, what's rough is how much of that, did that impact his game because he was starting to, to develop his three point shot a little bit shooting it okay from the free throw line about 65 66% then last year cratered to 43% from the line stopped taking three pointers altogether and then didn't you know he only took six and only made one he was a really good shot blocker his first few years about one and a half blocks per game was really starting to come around and then just this past year just really kind of fell off um and only played about 20 minutes a game as well so you know this is a guy that i think the hornets this is the the type of player you take a shot on because if he can get that back you might have something here, yo, and this kid where it is, all right, this is the guy we thought he was at the end of his junior year. You know, now we, we can really work with him, get him, 
you know, in camp, develop him there a little, and then probably more likely in the G League. So we'll see, you know, ultimately where Zach Smith goes. You know, it's a guy I would keep an eye on if he ends up in the G League because yep. I think there's there's some talent there. Yeah, because he has a good motor too, and that's what you want. You want a guy that, that is going to hustle after it and, and things like that. I think the foot injury really threw it off being in and out of the lineup and, you know, missing quite a bit of time. But, you know, even though he's not a – big time score he can score down low and like you said um earlier in his college career decided to step out so i'll be interested to see if if they make moves maybe at the deadline later in the season if they're out of contention if he's not a guy that you know maybe could uh be brought in um whether it's a 10-day deal or something of that nature yeah, it wouldn't that wouldn't surprise me at all if we see him pulled up on a ten day, and then their last of their training camp guys, Isaiah Wilkins. This guy's name might be a little more familiar to people because he played at Virginia, and he is really he's a defender, um, which you know he played at Virginia, so of course he can defend because you don't play there if you can't get after it on the defensive end. He was a two really a. Two-and-a-half-year starter, became a starter as a sophomore and then started most of his junior year and then all of his senior year. <clears throat> He's got that good pedigree, right, Pete? He's yeah. you know, got that NBA lineage. Stepson of, of Dominique Wilkins, so that's always good. Just kind of the opposite a little bit because, obviously, Dominique being the uh, you know virtual scorer he was, um, or dynamic scorer, I should say, um, you know, he doesn't really do that. But being a, another guy that rebounds, you know, can block some shots, get, you know, a little bit, you know, can steal, you know, get some steals, just not that much, you know, that doesn't do well, I should say, offensively, um, kind of limited there. But, you know, a guy for the G League that can kind of be that defensive hustle guy, that's the kind of guys you need on your roster. Yeah, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Michael K. Gilchrist in a way. where he's A little bit, yeah. Similarly sized, you know, similarly athletic, um, but, you know, just a – He's probably even less of a factor on the offensive end than than uh, Kid Gilchrist is because he's he only took five shots a game as a senior. You know he you know I first when I looked at him I'm like well this kid shot fifty five percent you know as a uh, as a junior for forty eight percent as a senior and then I was like oh wait you know on on five attempts that's you know that's not saying too much but but you mentioned it yeah one point four blocks last year. Um, you know, it's got good athleticism, pretty good rebounder. So, you know, another guy along with Smith, they're going to kind of throw him in there and, you know, see see what they can do. If nothing else, they're, they help push the vets to, to get them ready, you know, as we go, um, you know, into the regular season. That's where, you know, you'll see with these guys. So it'll be really interesting to watch and see if one of these four players can fight their way onto the roster. I'd be a little bit surprised, but, you know, if they decide to keep 15 out of camp, them one of them and just a little note on the summer contract so we can kind of clear that up for everybody in case people were wondering what that means is it's a it's a true minimum contract in the nba so it's about eight hundred and thirty eight thousand or so is what those those pay out this year and then how they work is if the player makes the opening night roster they become converted to a true minimum contract 
but but it's still you know non-guaranteed until january 10th as long as we're in camp these guys don't count against the salary cap or the tax or anything it's it's almost like it's it's free money there's some injury protection in there if they get hurt that the teams you know can pay out a limited amount of injury protection to these players that you know kind of makes it worth it for them but this is uh you know how this works these are truly make good deals that you want to see if one of these kids can you know pop and all of a sudden you've you've got a player um on your roster that you didn't expect to have so what we're going to do now is we're going to take a quick break so you can hear from our sponsors then we're going to come back at you with 10 questions about the charlotte hornets off season and the upcoming season this podcast is brought to you by adt when it comes to something as important as your family safety you need real protection with adt what does real protection mean for you well, real protection means you can get all of the latest innovation in smart home security from ADT combined with 24-7 monitoring from the most trusted name in home security. You'll get a team of professionals designing and installing a secure smart home just for you, including 18,000 employees safeguarding you and your family, along with a connection to first responders. Your secure smart home includes everything from video doorbells and indoor and outdoor cameras to smart locks and lights controlled from the ADT Go app or the sound of your voice. You can also get professionally monitored carbon monoxide and smoke detectors. Everything is custom designed to fit your home, all from the nation's number one smart home security provider. You can even get safety on the go in the car or when the kids are at school with the ADT Go app with an SOS button. Ready to learn more? Visit ADT.com backslash podcast to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you. And welcome back to the NBA Front Off Show. I'm your host, Keith Smith. I'm joined by my co-host, Pete Toll. We are brought to you as part of the Almighty Baller Network. We are breaking down the Charlotte Hornets offseason, and we're going to get into our 10 questions, which we like to close the show out with. So, so Pete, you know the first one. It is, what is your projected starting five for the Charlotte Hornets this coming season? Okay, I'm going to kind of split it because I think sure. you're going to have a, a – you know, starting lineup for opening night, and then a little bit more into the season, I think it's going to change. Um, I think we'll agree on two of them. I don't know. Um, I don't know how the other three are going to shake out. I'm, I'm interested to see. But yeah, man, I, you got my interest, Pete, because I wasn't ready for this. So let's hear it. All right. So opening night, I think they go with uh, kind of the the lineup they had last year with Batum at the two, Walker um, at point. Kid Gilchrist at the three, Marvin Williams at the four, and then Cody Zeller at the five. But I don't think that's going to stick. I think that um, James Borrego being the you know coach he is, being a pop disciple, I think he's going to try to get Batum to buy into maybe a six-man role. And I know that sounds crazy. Everybody's you know, probably going to at me and say, are, are, what are you thinking? <laughs> but I've heard that – um, Batum is is really obviously wanting to play the three, doesn't want to play much of the two, then you kind of have to look at the roster the way it's constructed. You've got Jeremy Lamb in a contract year. He can score. Then you've got next to him, if you put Batum at the small forward spot, you kind of have a guy that's you know can facilitate. He looks to score. Then where does that leave Michael Kidd Gilchrist off the bench? He's a defender. He doesn't score. So you're not gonna you're gonna lose all the value you have for Kid Gilchrist off the bench. So I feel like Batum's better suited off the bench because then you have kind of you know Malik Monk, Batum, Kaminsky, and um, 
what's the other uh, Tony Parker? Tony Parker, thank you. Yep. Um, off the bench, and that kind of gives you a um, a good presence that you can kind of flip flop out of the lineup. Kid Gilchrist could really come in and play some four. Kaminsky could play some five if needed. So you have all these branch outs of different lineups, and I think if you you know look long term and they're really looking at Walker, um, I think you know you have to look at how these guys fit and what development roles you have for guys across the board, because Monk's going to have to play to see what he's worth. Lamb's going to want to play because he's in that contract year. I don't think necessarily he sticks with the Hornets, you know, for the rest of the season, he might be a guy that gets moved at the deadline. Um, But you really have to give those guys a look. So my, my lineup was kind of a little bit different than probably most think, you know, think about, but I I think that's what's going to play out. Yeah. You know, and that's, Wow, I it's not something I had really given any thought to because for me I thought this is this one's pretty straightforward. It's it's you know Walker, Batum, Kid Gilchrist, Williams, and Zeller that start, and then behind them you've got you know I don't know what order they'd come off the bench, but but Lamb, Kaminsky, Parker, Biombo, and Monk, and then at some point Miles Bridges and Hernan Gomez, Dwayne Bacon. Those guys are kind of the guys that are you know on the outside looking in for rotation minutes, maybe Graham, you know, gets in there a little bit in the mix as it goes. So that's, I, I kind of like the idea though, because I think they could use a little bit more stability. You get kind of Batum and Parker. They've got great history together, you know, especially playing for the French national team. Um, so that would be, you know, nice combo there would give you a little bit more offensive punch off the bench, um, you know, without asking Jeremy Lamb to do too much. In that six-man score role, the only reason I don't see it is I think I, I think they're gonna like the way Batum, because he can still handle and pass the ball, it allows Walker to work a little bit off the ball. And I'm maybe it's just because I want to see it so bad. I'm expecting right. to see it. You know, maybe, maybe that's not really gonna happen. Um, so that'll be you know kind of curious to see where that one goes with that. But you know, it's it, it's definitely a it's an interesting idea. That you kind of threw threw together there. I'm with you, kid Gilchrist. That's kind of waste wasted off the bench. You right. want him in there so he can lock down the other team's best, you know, two, three, four man, um, and defend, and then you know switch onto the point guards and do you know all the things that he kind of does. So, so it's uh it's definitely an idea. I'm I'm interested to see you know if that's something that they do because obviously they've been doing the same thing for a couple of years now and it hasn't really worked. Um, exactly so all right kind of related to that was it the right move to trade dwight howard to you know really hand that starting spot back over to cody zeller absolutely um obviously i talked about the locker room kind of issues back and forth but with zeller you know he's able to defend he can obviously score um so you get kind of both sides of the coin with him and i think if he can stay healthy and you've got you know Frank Kaminsky, you know, kind of there behind him, Biombo, the veteran, you know, presence. And then Hernan Gomez, kind of the young, energizing up-and-comer. You have a good combo of big men there that you didn't have a need for Dwight Howard. And he wasn't going to – his ego wasn't going to accept a backup role anyway. Yeah, no, definitely wasn't. It wasn't going to happen there. And I think you're going to get what you wanted in Biombo. 
you know, out of what you want out of that backup role of the more defense rebound center um, spot. I go back to with Cody Zeller. If you remember a couple seasons ago, there was that stat. I don't remember exactly what it is, but they were really good with him. And then it was hurt. They were really not so good. And then last year, they, they just weren't good enough. And I go back to, I think they said, when we start Cody Zeller, we're a really good team. You know, we have that ability to, you know, be a playoff team and be in that mix. So that's what I think they wanted to get back to. And you mentioned it before, they spent a lot of money uh, to re-sign Cody Zeller. And you didn't, you don't spend that kind of money to bring a guy in just to be a backup. It just doesn't make sense. So, uh, all right. Then uh, Tony Parker, is that the, are you happy that they brought Tony Parker in? Or would you have been, did you want to see them go with a younger guy or just a different player there as the backup point guard or is Parker, you know, is that the right fit? I think Parker is going to prove to be the right fit just based on the system style of play. Borrego, you know, kind of being in that Spurs system previous. I hated and, and I still don't like, uh, Michael Carter Williams to this day. So <laughs> anybody uh, that was a veteran upgrade, um, over him would have suited me just fine. But then, you know, with Parker, if he can buy in, like you talked about earlier, you know, coming from that Spurs system, I don't think he was really keen on accepting, you know, a mentorship role with the Spurs and just kind of how everything broke down. So getting a new, fresh, you know, kind of, you know, I guess outlook. Uh, of his career of, okay, I'm on a new team, you know, Nick Batum and I, you know, played together, Borrego, you know, I, I was coached under, you know, can kind of take on a different role. And then, like you said, you know, he can play, you know, kind of a combo um, role to where, you know, him and Kemba Walker will play together, but more so just being that veteran guy that, that you can play down the stretch when you need stability in close games. Yeah, and and, and I like it. I think it you know, makes sense. This team's not, they're too good to be bottoming out. So you, you can't just throw those backup minutes away on a complete development player. And they're, you know, they're, they're hoping to be a playoff team again. And I think you want to make sure you're covered if, if, you know, when one, when Walker's just out of the game regularly, then if for any reason he misses time, you need to be covered there. So, all right. We talked a little bit about Malik Monk, but what are your expectations of Malik Monk in his second year? First and foremost, stay healthy and be consistent. Um, overall, I think he can uh, – I mean, he – the thing with him is he takes a lot of shots that come off the dribble. That's his strength. But can he hit spot-up shots? Can he get – you know, can he hit the pull-up, you know, where he can go off the dribble, you know, things like that? Can he learn both guard positions well enough that – if he needs to handle the ball in the point guard role, he could do that in a pinch, but he's not relied on to be the point guard. But then being, you know, undersized at 6'3", can he get that shot off well enough as a shooting guard, you know, to be versatile off the bench? I think he can, you know, kind of bump his minutes up from, you know, 13, 14 minutes to about 19 to 22 minutes a game off the bench, just depending on kind of how the, you know, the rest of the, the rotation shakes out you know by the time we get to the trade deadline things like that um but i like malik monk as kind of that fill it up guy i just don't know long term if he's going to be more than that bench gunner i don't know that i see a long term you know star as a two guard starter in the league 
Yeah, I don't know that he's going to ever start either. I just don't, I don't know if he has the size to be a starting guard, and I don't know if he has a handle on the playmaking ability to be a point guard. But what I think this guy can eventually be, and I think we're going to start to see it go that way with um, under Borrego kind of using like a, a tweaked Spurs system where guys have a very defined role, they get good shots out of it. I think what you're going to see is Malik Monk. I think eventually, down the line, he can be one of the best six men in the league. I think you, you've you got a guy who he's going to be a weapon who can score you, you know, 10, 15 points a game off the bench. You know, he's a guy who could, you know, maybe if you need the shooting out there to close games, he's on the floor at the end of games. Um you know, because you're you're looking for those shots. So, but you're you you hit the nail on the head. He's got to be able to hit the open ones, where he just gets them kind of out of the flow of the offense and not everything off the bounce. Because that's that's what this team's going to be. I think you're going to see a lot of lot more ball ball and player movement, and in a lot of ways, I think that might really fit in and help Monk get there to where he he you know really starts to blossom this year i think he he's just a guy he had a long way to go um as good as we we you know kind of liked him as a prospect out of kentucky he had a long way to go because his role was just gonna be very different than the the really bad i believe was an ankle injury um last year it's uh, right before towards the end of the pre-draft process just you know no summer league for him really kind of ruined his summer he got off to such a slow start so you know i've i've really high hopes for him this year and i think they think there's a good chance he's gonna finally get there um you know as we get into this season now their rookie this year miles bridges do you think he has any chance to crack the rotation this year honest answer if things go bad yes or they decide to dump guys like batum or marvin williams then he could slide in but i think this year is all about learning to be able to get a spot next year because Got the two guys that I think that they try to sell off the most, depending on what kind of value they can get back, is Marvin Williams, um, who plays the power forward spot, and then Jeremy Lamb because he's in a contract year, and they don't necessarily maybe want to lose him for for nothing. And I don't know if he's going to be able to show enough that he can be a long term piece in Charlotte. So try to get what you can for him at the deadline, and then maybe Miles Bridges can step in, but I think ultimately if Williams was moved, that'd be more minutes for Kaminsky. Maybe Hernan Gomez is still slotted in. Um, even though he's a, a center, you know, still the bulk of those big man minutes, you know, could end up kind of, you know, factoring in more to those type of guys more than Miles Bridges this season. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't think he, unless there's really serious injuries, um, which, you know, given the track record of health with a lot of these guys, that, that could be. Um, or if they, you know, what you said, if they start selling guys off or moving pieces, then I definitely think we could see Bridges get in there. But until that point, yeah, I just, I, there's just not much um, uh, to really project a role for him this year. But again, going all the way back to the top of the show, I think that's okay. You know, I think this is a good year for him him to develop and go. So so now you mentioned the next question. You mentioned a lot of these guys. 
the Hornets have spent a lot of money the last few years, you know, and it was a lot on re-signing guys. So re-signing guys like, uh, you know, Batum and then Marvin Williams and then Jeremy Lamb and Kid Gilchrist and Cody Zeller. It's the point where one of the things I love to put out there is uh, Kemba Walker is, I believe he's their sixth highest paid player on the roster and he's by far and away the best player, you know, on the road. Yeah, exactly. It, It is insane. Um, have the Hornets spent too much money on players who they're just they're just guys? They're not bad, but they're nothing special. They spent way too much money on guys like that. I don't. All right, let's go guy by guy real quick. So Kaminsky, I don't think he's going to have any more value than he does currently. Yeah, I don't know that he slots in anything more than you know a decent rotation backup guy that could stretch the floor, get you a couple of rebounds. That's about it. Michael yeah, Kidd, so Gilchrist? hold on. Let's stick on yeah. Kaminsky for a minute. Due for mm-hmm. a contract extension, you know, right. if they want to reach one before you know the end of October, they could give him a contract extension. Um, or really, I guess before the opening night in the middle of October is when that needs to happen. But he is, if they give him a you know contract that's ten million dollars a year, I'm just going to throw my hands up and be like, I don't understand what this team's doing because at that point now they now get like I just. And that's it's no knock on Kaminsky. I think he's fine, but you said it. He kind of is what he is. He's a backup, you know, four or five. And okay, yo, is that ten million dollars a year when you've already got thirty plus million invested in, you know, Biombo and Zeller, you know, and then uh, you know add Williams to that, and you're at you know forty five million or so. So yeah, go ahead, Pete. Go go on. You're gonna mention Kid Gilchrist. Well, then Kid Gilchrist, you look at obviously a very good plus defender. But then where does that leave the development of Miles Bridges? If he is, in fact, a three, then you have to look at Batum. Is he going to be happy flip-flopping minutes? You know, because Gilchrist is going to have to play. Gilchrist can't shoot. And so never having an offensive game, like, I just don't understand. I, I get, you know, paying a guy for defense, but then there's also a thing of overpaying for potential. And I think that's where Kid Gilchrist is. And he's and, and he's twenty five this year too, so he's not twenty two anymore. You know, he's not. You know, and he's he's really coming to the end player option for for the next season, the nineteen twenty season. And he is, um, you know, as he kind of come, comes out, is now you're looking at this is a guy going into his third contract, and mm-hmm. he still can't shoot at this point. He can't shoot. It's not well, going to happen. They had Mark Price there as an assistant coach for a little while. Yep. And if, if Mark Price can't teach you to shoot, yeah. then I don't really know what you're going to do to to get a better shot. Now, last year, video came out, I believe it was before training camp, where he was, you know, kind of restructured a shot just a little bit, um, was able to knock down a bunch of threes from the corner. But that doesn't translate to the actual regular season to where he, he developed it any. And I, I just wonder what's going to happen there. And then you look at Jeremy Lamb, like I said before, I think he could slot in technically as a starter at the shooting guard spot. He can score, but it took him so long to be able to develop. Is this what he's going to end up being? Like, you know, I just, I don't know when you, you piece together Lamb, you piece together Monk, you know, these guys that are scores, what else are they going to be? Like the, the roster as a whole, has so many questions across the board. Like literally in my notes, I have like, 
If you go with Kid Gokris, what happens with Batum? If you go with Lamb, what happens with Batum's minutes at the two? What happens with Monk's development? You know, things like that. So there's so many question marks across the board. And I think that the old regime and, and Rich Cho just kind of, you know, was hanging on to, hey, I really think I can make this work. Now you have a new voice in Mitch Kupchak. And I think he's in a totally different mindset, different direction. So I wouldn't be surprised if they struggle, if a lot of changes aren't made, you know, maybe to dump some of these guys before next season. Yeah, you know, what worries me about this team is when I look at them, I look at them, they could be a playoff team, especially in the Mm -hmm. East. And I know that's a question that we'll talk about later. Mm -hmm. But then I look at it and I'm like, where's the upside? Right. Monk, maybe. Okay. But I just said, I think he tops out as a really good six man, which is not a bad thing. But okay. Well, great. So then you still need five other guys. Miles Bridges, I'm still pretty high on Bridges and I think he could be a really good player, but... I don't know. I mean, we're we're not going to see it this year. Then all the rest of their guys, like, it's funny. I, I think of Nick Batum, and I start to think of him as, like, man, he's old. But he, he's, he only turns 30 this year, you know, but it's because he's been in the league for 10 years. You know, we saw him as, you know, a 19, 20-year-old in his first year. So, you know, all right, well, you know, he's still pretty good, but he's not going to get any better. Kemba Walker is pretty good, but he's, you know, not going to, I mean, not pretty good. He's really, really good, but he's not going to get any better. Marvin Williams, he's on the downside of his career. Kid Gilchrist, we just talked about, I think he is what he is at this point. Lamb, he's what he is. And then Cody Zeller, I like Cody Zeller plenty, but again, probably not improving. You know, this, you know, at this point of his career, he's going to be 26 this season. So it really starts to look like, are you get all these guys that are just, I don't. I go back to they're just kind of guys. I think this team is full of outside of Kemba Walker. It's full of guys who, if they were your fourth or fifth best player, you'd be fine. You you'd say, "Hey, that's pretty good." You know, Cody Zeller's my fifth best guy. Michael K. Gilchrist is my fifth best guy who focuses on defense with four really good offensive players around him. I'm I'm good. I'm content with that. If Batum's my fifth or sixth best guy, I'm good. Williams, nice. You know, should probably be about a, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth guy at this point. You know, so that's what I, and, and for me, that puts so much pressure on Kemba Walker that, you know, we just, you know, we don't know, you know, with that. So I was going to go, the next question was going to be, is the bench good enough? But I think we just talked about it. I think the bench is, is good because it's, it's just filled with all these other players. You know, who are, you know, we'll see what they, they become. They could be starters. They could not be. So I want to go to the to the, to the the more interesting question, which is the next one on the list. Is Kemba Walker on this team a year from now, at this time a year from now? I think he has to be for the sense that Charlotte has the all-star game. He could potentially be an all-star. And that you have to have somebody that's going to draw in fans. If you're a Charlotte Hornets fan and you move Kemba Walker, we don't know what what they get back. So we, you know, you can always speculate. But say, say hypothetically, you know, Kemba Walker wasn't on the team, and then you just said it. You look down the roster. There's nobody that's a star or even close to a star out of the the rest of the team. So how are you going to draw play, you know, fans in in that market? And so if you're Michael Jordan and you're as competitive as Michael Jordan is. You want to win and win now. Like, I just don't see, and, and I know I talked about it in the past, like, yeah, move Kemba Walker, see what you can get. 
But now it's like the way this roster is constructed, at least you know for this season, I don't know that you move off of him, and especially wanting to be competitive in the East. I mean, you'll be a bottom dweller in the Eastern Conference if you move off of Kemba Walker. He's the heart and soul of the team. Now, looking to next year, maybe if you can get a blow, you're blown away by a package. But I'm going to say that Kemba Walker is there, and they try to get him paid. Um, you know, good bit of money so he doesn't leave. Maybe some kind of extension or something. You're the you're the cap guy, so you know what they can and can't do. Um, I'm just speculating. They have to do something to entice him to keep him um, on the roster, and he wants to be there. So yeah, so that's the that's the thing is I think right now that's why I think this is a huge year for this team. I don't think there's any chance they trade him unless they're hopelessly out of it come the trade deadline. Then maybe they say, all right, we got to blow this thing up. We can move Walker, maybe attach, you know, Batum or somebody to him. And then we can, you know, get off all this money and then we can, you know, move on. Um, or, you know, you start to look at it as, well, where are we going, you know, as a club? Like, what what's going on? And then that's where I think if you're Kemba Walker – I think when we get into next summer, when a lot of teams have cap space, there's going to be a lot of movement happening. I think Kemba Walker might look at it and say, "Or where are we going? Like, what what is this team going to be? And if if it's going to fall all to me, and there's nothing else around me, and there's not the ability to get those other pieces around me, I think you might see Kemba Walker say, "You know what? I'm I'm good. I've done what I had to do here. I became an All Star. I gave you everything I could for." Uh, what, what would that be? Seven, eight years now. Mm-hmm. Which how is he in his eighth year? Man, I'm getting yeah. Old. I know, um, <laughs> but it's you know it's uh I think at that point you're really you know if you're Kemba Walker you're saying I gotta go and there's always that looming threat of the Knicks out there you know because he he's a New York kid grew up there you know we could could see that out there and you know they love their guards in New York so it's definitely gonna be something you're gonna have to watch for with. The Hornets, because if they're not if they're not competitive and a really good team this year, I think there's a good chance Kemba Walker is is elsewhere when we sit down to do the Hornets offseason review in 2019. So with that note, Pete, is this a playoff team this year? Interesting question because I think that the you know that last spot or two in the East is going to be up for grabs. I think you're going to see Charlotte be right there. I think you're going to see Detroit, you know, Miami, those teams kind of all vying for that spot. I like on paper, I like, you know, Detroit's roster better. So I'm going to say that Charlotte, you know, falls short and they end up in ninth. So they just barely miss the playoffs. But it wouldn't be surprised, or I would not be surprised if they sneak into that seventh or eighth spot, depending on, you know, if another team struggles. Um, because there are always, you know, are injuries, you know, unfortunately, and um, depending on, you know, the development of Malik Monk, you know, kind of can they keep Batum healthy, you know, throughout the season, and where do the, you know, do other guys step up? I think they can certainly make it, but I'm going to say at this moment they end up just short. Yeah, I think they are um, in that mix. I think East, the East from let's say seven to twelve ish, it's going to be a mess. And I think, and I mean that in a good way. Like I think that's going to be really interesting. I think it's you're 
if anybody tells you confidently that they know how that's going to play out, that there's just no way you can know at this point. So I think, you know, as you said, would not surprise me at all if they sneak into the playoffs. They've got the talent on the roster to be a low-end playoff team, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if they just miss. What I what would surprise me is if they're in the top half of the East or if they're a um, real high-end lottery team. Either one of those things would be kind of a surprising result. So they're just kind of stuck in the middle, which is why as we close it out, we always close out the show with, are they up, down, or neutral? This team for me is neutral. I just don't think they changed enough this year. I think they're just kind of stuck in the middle there, and I don't think that's really where you want to be. You know, they're not good enough to really be a for-sure playoff team. They're also not bad enough that they're going to bring in, you know, that top-end talent. So for me, they're exactly where they were the last couple of seasons. They're just kind of a neutral team, just kind of sitting there playing this thing out. Where do you have them, Pete? Up, down, or neutral? I'm actually going to say down because I just don't see anything future-wise. Like, they didn't make any moves to shore themselves up. Like, okay, well, we have two, three guys that – we really can count on that we think are going to be, you know, borderline stars. They have guys that look like good rotational pieces for the future, but nothing that sticks out. And do they have a plan B if something, you know, goes wrong with Kimba Walker and and they, you know, have to make a move or, or, you know, lose him for potentially nothing in free agency? So, yeah, down for me just because it wasn't enough. You know, especially the way last year went to where they thought they were going to be competitive for a playoff spot to not being, you know, able to get in there. Yeah, nothing uh, nothing about them really stood out for me this year. Yeah, no, that's – the and I can see where you got to that one. That makes, you know, a lot of sense for me. So neat. It, it took us a little bit to get there, but if we finally found a team neither one of us is, is overly optimistic about, um, you know, which is, you know, it's just kind of how it is in Charlotte right now. It's, you know, they, they could be okay, but they're not going to be anything more than just kind of okay. So, you know, it's uh, probably most curious to see is what happens, trade deadline, and then after. Uh, with the Hornets at this point. So, all right, that's going to close us out here with the Charlotte Hornets offseason review. Next up will be the Cleveland Cavaliers as we go alphabetically through the NBA. If you are saying, wait, Chicago should be next. Well, we already did that show. So we did that show when our, our buddy and our producer, Connorell could be here with us. Con is off uh, wrapping up a trip around the world as he is over, um, over in Europe, over in Turkey, spending some time on that side of the world. Uh, that's why he's not with us here today. But but we uh you know we're holding down the fort and we'll um you'll know, be ready to go as we continue to plug along. So the Cleveland Cavaliers are up next. It's a season to change in Cleveland, and we'll we'll get into that in depth. So Pete, until we get there, tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter and the like. Uh, you can find me at Pete Toll. So it's P E T E T O A L M B A on Twitter. Um, I've been doing a couple guest spots on uh, various. Uh, podcast lately so just kind of getting back in like I said previous when we did a couple shows just getting back in this season you know after having a basically a new newborn now he's uh now my son's 20 months old and all over the place so a little bit more kind of um you know able to get into some things that that I really enjoy uh basketball wise so hopefully um between this show and some analytical stuff and 
um, some other podcasts really, really, really diving deep into the NBA again this year. Yeah, no, it makes me really excited when I see those, um, you know, things come kind of across my Twitter feed that, you know, you were on another show and things like that. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, pretty cool to to see because, you know, we always want to see our, our friends get ahead and do things and have some fun with, with the things that they do. So um, you can find me, of course, on Twitter at KeithSmithNBA. Um, and again, this has been the NBA Front Off Show. We are part of the Almighty Baller Network. And we will talk to you next time. plug you put the plug in the drain right ah it's on the dock there's a reason they say curse like a sailor Ah, many reasons progressive's boat insurance has you covered quote today at progressive.com progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates and now an ad from dad save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with progressive Tell you another way to save money. Don't buy those uh, expensive coffees every morning, you know. Then you can save up for a, I don't know, really nice dress shirt. I'm just saying. It's great that you feel comfortable here at work, but, you know, an adult could walk in. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.